0: Hey, y'all. In this episode of the podcast, Rob is back. He joins me to reflect on the past 19 years of marriage. I know, very big number. We talk about how we have grown and changed and how our lives as entrepreneurs has shaped our relationship and vice versa. We also talk about Rob's new venture, Tiny Seed, and how it's going. Really, we focus a lot on how his mindset is different this time and what it feels like to start a new company Having a different sense of confidence and clarity than maybe he had in the past. So, if you're an entrepreneur and in a relationship, or an entrepreneur and want to be in a relationship, or in a relationship with an entrepreneur, um, we're hoping that this episode will have a lot of value for you. So, thanks for joining us for this episode of the Zen Founder Podcast. Welcome to the Zen Founder Podcast. This is a place where we have conversations about mental health and entrepreneurship. We have a pretty broad conceptualization of what mental health means sometimes depression, anxiety, sometimes relationships or physical health. The goal here is to bring some calm into the crazy roller coaster of ups and downs that is life for many entrepreneurs. I'm your host, I'm Dr. Sherry Walling. I'm a clinical psychologist and an entrepreneur, married to an entrepreneur, live in the world of entrepreneurs. And I'm so pleased that you have joined us for this conversation.
1: 19 years.
0: What's the significance of that?
1: Yeah, I wonder at a certain point, if you tell people you've been married for 19 years, is it is it rude to ask how long people have been married, much like it's rude to ask how long... Uh, how old someone is
0: people look at me like they're shocked like how have you been married for 19 years which i'll take as a compliment that i don't look old enough to be married for 19 years but uh yeah it's a big number for sure it's a lot of adulting
1: Mm Hmm. yeah i'm glad that we took the first decade i was trying to do math oh i guess it was about six years first six years of marriage to uh to travel buy houses do things
0: build businesses Lead yeah. jobs,
1: do happy hours.
0: Get a PhD.
1: Right. All the fun stuff, the easy and fun stuff that would have been harder, you know, with with kids as we've seen. Things have been more of a challenge since then.
0: I don't know, though. I got to say that because you married me, I think your fun quotient has been fairly consistent throughout. You think so? Maybe not the last couple of years. <laughs> <been part> of, <laughs> sort of a show, but... <laughs> I'm sorry you haven't been having fun for like the last three years. Mm-hmm. You think so? He says. <laughs> hmm, interesting point.
1: I definitely don't not disagree with that.
0: <laughs> You're not having fun? <laughs> I am now.
1: The last couple of years were a little uh a little rough as you stated.
0: Yeah, we had three years where we like Moved across the country, radically changed our lives. Sold a house, bought a house,
1: sold a company,
0: adopted some kids, sent one to live somewhere else.
1: Your dad got sick.
0: My dad Other died. Family members got
1: sick. Yeah, I mean, this is that was in a twenty-four month period or something, thirty-month
0: period. Crisis mode, yeah. man. After
1: having like, I would say, like we are stable people in general. Like we we don't surround ourselves with, with people who in general, who are like our drama, who are always causing commotion. You know, we've had friends like that, right. Where it's like, your life is always unstable because you're whatever, you know, your boyfriend or their girlfriend is unstable or their family or whatever. But like, we've generally been stable people. And that stretch was, was intense.
0: Yeah. It is interesting to look back over, you know, let's just round up to 20 for the purposes of this discussion. Cause it's really like what, 24 years together.
1: I think so. Give or take. Yeah.
0: Yeah. There are these distinct phases that we've gone through where we've been more or less aligned. You know, we have these like periods of like dissonance where we're just sort of like not seeing eye to eye or not necessarily moving forward at the same pace. And then it kind of evens out and we get back on track or we pace again and and we feel more aligned and clearer about what we're doing in our lives and what we're doing with our family. So if anything, as I think back on almost 20 years of marriage, I think about like the long-term picture is like, sort of like, I guess having a business, but the long-term picture is like, oh, generally things work out if you just give them enough time and patience and don't take any one moment too seriously.
1: Yeah. Realizing that it won't be like that forever. I think that having children is like that, right? Where... You can be in a three-month phase of the child screaming all the time and be like, wow, the rest of my life, this child's going to be screaming. And then they stop, you know, and then they start doing something else. I also think, I mean, whether it was us intentionally doing it because we're smart or because we just got super lucky, we also found a partner who is generally, I don't know, like moral and ethical and not drama. Neither of us are like real drama people. We found folks who, I guess, align with who we are
0: and... When you say folks, you're talking about me. You and me. Yeah, yeah. We found each other.
1: (laughs) Yeah, sorry. I'm just, I'm trying to be, I'm trying to generalize here. So it's not like I'm talking all about us, but it's like we met in college and I've had so we've had tons of friends who get divorced and... I don't, I I think that maybe they just chose wrong in this at the start. You know what I mean? That they like weren't compatible and then others who were compatible and then changed over time. And you and I have been willing to change with the other, I think. And, And the times when you're talking about when we're disjointed is when that change is happening in one of us and the other one isn't there yet, you know, or isn't willing to go there yet. And then eventually it's like, either you change back, you decide you don't want that, or the other person says, cool, no, I can meet you there, but it might take three or six months of figuring out how to meet you there.
0: Yeah. We've had a lot of friends get divorced now that I think about it. Like a lot of friends and many family members had a relationship that didn't work out.
1: Yeah. And it's people we still keep in touch with and are good friends and are good people. Yeah. And divorce
0: it, doesn't make you a bad person. <laughs> not no. at all. It just speaks to how freaking hard it is to be... Yeah. Um, connected to the same person over the course of your life.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Especially when, because you individually go through all these phases, right? Of these changes of like, I'm going to be, you were a student and then you were working as a social worker in essence, and then your PhD student, which is stressful. And then you know, you have a child and then you're doing postdocs and then you look for a job and then you're a professor. And I mean, those phases, all of those change you so dramatically. You're so dramatically different than you were 24 years ago. And me as well, we could follow the programmer to consultant, to wannabe entrepreneur, to kind of entrepreneur, to entrepreneur, to author, to whatever. And each of those changes how you view yourself. And I think who you are.
0: It's interesting though, because as I hear you say that, I don't feel that different. I mean, hopefully like a little smarter and more mature and things like that. But like, the general kind of ingredients that make me who I am feel like they're fairly similar.
1: Mm, Yeah. The ingredients are similar, but your, your views and me as well, but like your views on, you know, things have changed. I think views and opinions and, and even aspirations, you know, think of what you wanted to be when we met in college and then how many different things you've wanted to be over the past 20 years, you know, in terms of a, a, a doctor, like a, you know, medical doctor, and then a psychologist, and then a you know, professor, I don't know, at one point, maybe you wanted to be a researcher, I don't remember. And then you were lead international trips, that was piece of it. And, and then you focused on, you know, being a, a clinician, and now moving into the next phase of, of really being, you know, more, more focused on helping founders and, you know, high performing individuals. That's, that's a lot of change.
0: It's interesting to hear you say it like that because th- those are all the same skills. Like I use all of those things. I use a lot of research in my, like I don't collect my own data, but I like speak research all the time in the work that I do. I'm not a traditional clinician, but I still use a lot of clinical skills and I'm still a teacher because I teach a lot. I guess, and you know, in the next two weeks, I'm taking two international trips with companies because I'm leading their retreats. So I'm not trying to, you know, argue with you and (laughs) create a schism in this wonderful 19-year relationship. But I am saying that I think, I think we're more, I feel still like the same girl or the same woman.
1: And I feel like you're quite a bit different and you've come a long way in terms of developing, I don't know, opinions and thoughts. And we were in college when when we met and I was like, Yeah, I'm gonna start companies. And you're like, Yeah, it sounds risky. I don't, you know, that doesn't sound interesting. I don't know. And then when we got out and I was gonna do contracting and then start products, it was you you were skeptical, as probably every spouse should be, of crazy ideas, you know, that their significant other is is embarking on. But and and you were on a path. You know, you were gonna be on tenure track faculty. You had one, you know, talked about being a researcher at Yale when we were there, and that was a very different aspiration. And that was something that you were very much open to. And now I look at where you are and your aspirations now, and I feel like that it's super cool that you have been willing to change your goals and your dreams because you've seen something that I think is a better fit for who you are because I can imagine you not being happy if you were still on the the tenure track or the researcher at Yale or whatever. You were willing to make some pretty big mental shifts in your life.
0: Yeah. Entrepreneurship is contagious. So I kind of blame you actually.
1: Yeah. I'll take the blame on that one.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure there's lots of things we can blame each other for, but uh, in so many ways, you doing products is so much more in alignment with who, like me, than it was you when we met because you had very low risk tolerance and you were like essentially going to work in the family business. I mean, just very different ability to think outside of the box. And I just like, I'll take credit for like tearing that box apart for you.
1: Yeah. I had a strong, strong desire and I knew that I would own a business, but I was really scared to try. You know, this was the 90s it was still it was a lot
0: it was the 90s wow we were grown-ups in the 90s that's so crazy
1: I mean grown-up is a that's a loose term we were not really (laughs) grown-ups in the 90s like we were still super super young
0: yeah I guess as you think about people who might be listening who are in a phase of marriage where things are feeling not so bueno what would you what would you say not what advice would you give but like what questions would you ask or what would you wonder about
1: Yeah I that's exactly what I would do Yeah I would ask myself like is this something that can change you know is this is this a phase is this something that I can adjust and get over is this something my spouse can adjust and get over or or have we made a a decision a bad decision basically you know that that the marriage is this going to be marriage ending And I think that's the hard part. It's like you were referencing back to a company. It's like people will say, how do I know when it's just a dip versus when to quit? It's the same question. I mean, same question, unfortunately, if you look at it super pragmatically and logically, which is not not easy to do when you're in it, you know, when you're in a marriage and, and you fear that there could be, you know, permanent ramifications. But I've always erred on the side of not making permanent solutions to temporary problems, right? people who a permanent solution to my marriage, you know, is I'm unhappy right now in my marriage is to get a divorce. But what if it's a temporary problem? And I've always erred on the side of this is a temporary problem.
0: Let's see how it shakes out.
1: Yep. I I often will look at myself and say, how can I, am I causing the problem? How can I change so that there isn't a problem here? And am I willing to do that, right? It's it's not how can I change, I'm going to do whatever, but it's like in what ways could I change and am I willing to do those and is that fair for you to ask those of me or for me to change this way to to keep the marriage together? Oh, man, that's depressing. I don't really want to talk about <laughs> it. I don't want to talk. I, there's going to be hard times, but it's like I, I guess in general like my advice is or my thoughts are like...
0: A lot of the hard times come and go.
1: A lot of them come and go
0: and there should be a lot of I mean I think that one of the questions that I that I ask others and myself is like what are the raw ingredients of this person that you find yourself next to and like at their basic level do you do you just like them do you respect them do you appreciate who they are I feel like that's the that's the that's the jumping off point, like if you really genuinely like them as a human, then there's lots of space to make things work and to adjust and change and renegotiate. But if that's the piece that's missing, then it's kind of hard to move on from there
1: i like I like that about raw ingredients. It's like getting down to the core of who the person is at their core, even if they're very different, they do a different job, they've changed opinions or thoughts or views or aspirations over the course of a decade or more are they still at their core a person that you respect and like and love that's my permanent view on things right when i look at you you're still the same person just a bunch of stuff on the i don't know it's not even exterior stuff but it's just things that are they're not at your core like your core has not changed that's a good thing. That's where we chose either wisely or lucky. We got lucky or, or chose Some wisely or a combination of both. Yep. Yeah. Because we do have family members and friends who, who've been divorced. And I've talked to one of my siblings in particular. And we kind of talked about this question. And he was just like, yeah, I don't. I I chose poorly. And I've seen like what this person really is. And I don't like it. And I don't want to be around it. And that's a, that's a that was a very hard realization, right? Because it means... I don't know how you get, you know, you can get past that.
0: Yeah. If you make a mistake on the core things, like, yep, there's not much to be done there. I don't think people can't really change. You know, people don't change that much. You can change some of the external things. You can change the things that you do. You can change your patterns. You can change what time you get up. You can change your hobbies. Like, a lot of those things can shift and change. But the core personality, the core values that make you who you are, it's possible, but it's, Pretty unlikely. Yeah. Would you say we have a successful marriage?
1: I would, yeah. Especially right now. Things are
0: awesome.
1: (laughs) (laughs) If you had asked me in 2017, I would have said, I don't know. Probably not. No. (laughs) I mean, there were moments, you know, during some of the tough times where it was like, but again, it wasn't something where I was going to, either of us was going to pull the quick trigger of like, oh man, we've been unhappy for two months. Let's call it quits. Because that's the other thing too, right? The longer you're in it, the more you you know you have in the bank, so to speak. And I don't view it as someone someone might say sunk cost fallacy, right? Of like, well, you've invested all this time, and so now you gotta keep doing it, even if it's hard. I view it as the opposite. I view it as like we've seen the ups and downs over these decades, and uh, the little bumps with you know a two, three, four month bump. While it's very hard, is is small in the big scheme of things. So I think that's yeah. I think that's a another vote for longevity, you just get more of that in the kind of in the bank, more time in the bank. Given what I know now about myself and about being married to you, like I would be very, very picky. You know, you can imagine if, if you and I had gotten divorced or whatever, I, I don't know that I could get married again because of how picky I would be.
0: I've ruined you for all other women.
1: Kind of. Yes. Yes, you have. I mean, there <laughs> there would be so it would be so I feel like difficult. that's
0: not a compliment.
1: No, it's a compliment in that you are like I hold, yeah, like we hold each other to pretty high standards, and I would hold the next person to such a high standard of like not even comparing of like, well, you don't do this the so way Sherry did or whatever. But it's like I don't know. I can just see all the you see all how everything plays out, and I don't know. Does that make sense, or am I just rambling?
0: Yeah. Yeah, I mean it's, it's so you know we referenced or mentioned that my dad died. We we talked about that on the podcast last November, but my parents were married for forty five years, and now my mom is trying to make her way in the world.
1: Out dating? She's on Tinder.
0: Oh my gosh! I keep teasing her like, Mom, when you? She's not. I'll update your profile for you. Like, yeah, like yeah. no. <laughs> Maybe someday. I mean, part of me hopes for her that she will have another partner, but. That's like a laughable thought to her at this point. Like can't imagine it. But yeah, they, they obviously lived their whole adult life together much as, as we have or are on the track to have life like that. And it really, it's not another person at that point. It's really sort of an extension of yourself that it's, you can't just sort of plug and play, just interchange with a different partner.
1: Yeah, that's right.
0: Well, happy anniversary.
1: You too. Happy anniversary. I look forward to hanging out tonight and reliving the past nineteen years.
0: Reliving the last nineteen I I was like, <laughs> I might have plans tonight.
1: Oh damn. I have I'm other th- things. Th- wait, gonna, you sent me that. I think calendar. I'm gonna go to yoga. <laughs> yeah.
0: Let's just well, then let's, uh, let's just have a day's evening and move forward.
1: <laughs> All right. Look ahead and plan our calendars for the plan uh Summer schools for the kids or summer camps for the kids tonight?
0: Okay. We need to work on your sense of romance.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I'm joking. It's humor.
0: You're so funny. All right. On to business. It's been um, a couple months since you have graced us with your presence here on the Zen Founder Podcast. I hear you are busy launching dynasties. How is Tiny Seed going
1: It is going well. It is moving. um, Well, I was going to say it's moving fast. It feels like it's moving fast at times. And then of course we email with lawyers and then it takes them a week or two to do what I would hope they could do in like two hours. So overall, TinyC is going very well. We got a huge number of applicants. We narrowed it down. We've almost two months ago now, I had like the final list, at least, you know, in my head, we hadn't made everyone offers. And basically we have enough verbal offers to fill the first first batch of 10 to 10 to 12 companies and then it's just been a 7 week so far slog of trying to get all the legal eyes dotted and T's crossed and convincing silicon valley lawyers that that we're going to fund LLCs and that the earth isn't going to spin off its axis when we do that so overall really good
0: so i'm i'm working i'm working in a room like the one floor above you and our son is doing his homeschool work on the floor below you. We have like a really tall house and Finn and I both heard you sigh so loud today that I could hear it one story up and he could hear it one story down.
1: He said, I heard you sigh. And he's like, so did I
0: across, across the house. Yelling conversation about you. So I'm assuming that was a lawyer email that you were responding to.
1: You know what it was? It was back to back emails. One, I was responding to a lawyer or a paralegal or whatever. And two, I was reading about it was an email about PEOs, which is basically a way to kind of have health insurance. It's like health insurance stuff, is really what I was looking at for the company.
0: Oh, God.
1: Yep. And it's not just, oh, I'm going to pick a plan for us, it's which of these bunch of providers do we then go with that can then offer us a certain Aetna, Cigna, United Healthcare plan? And then which of those do we then offer? And what do we cut? you know, and I'm looking through this email and it was those two back to back that I was like, I don't want to do, I want to throw in the towel on this. That's it. I'm out of here. I'm done. I'm going to go retire. You wanted
0: to rage quit health insurance? I wanted to rage
1: quit the whole thing. This, none of this is worth it. If I have to, if I have to make this decision, I'm saying that jokingly, obviously, but there were moments, man, when growing drip where it was like that. I'm not going to shut this thing down, but I really want to so that I don't have to slog through this right now.
0: I will say, I feel like it's been fewer size per hour in the last six months that you've been working on tiny seed than the three years ago when you were working on drip. Oh yeah. What's the difference in the psi per hour quotient?
1: Oh, it, it's night and day. It is night and day. Now I'm getting frustrated with things or bored or irritated, but I'm not stressed. I have no, almost no stress from work now. And I used to be stressed constantly.
0: Which is interesting because the, the numbers that you're playing with, the, the scope of your plans for Tiny Seed are frankly a lot bigger. Like,
1: Yeah, they're more moving parts for sure.
0: They, they, it feels more stressful to me. Also, because there's so many things that shape tiny seed that are outside of your control, but yeah, but yet you don't feel less stressed. Yeah. Why not?
1: The, there's so many, there's so many more moving parts. We're negotiating with all this different, different people and stuff, and investors and founders and stuff. And that stuff used to stress me out and it, it isn't anymore. And I think a big part of that is well, there's really two things. I mean, one is with drip, I was all in and I really, really needed it to work. And so I was stressed all the time that it wasn't going to, even though in retrospect, I should not have been. I was overstressed about it. Number two, since people ask me, what's your number one regret growing drip? And I often say, I stressed too much about it. And I'm not going to do that this time. And I've made a very deliberate effort that when I start to feel something, I ask, "Is this? does this really matter? Like if this one thing that i'm worried about doesn't come through it's not going to crumble and that's what i used to do that was it was catastrophizing i think with with trip is it's like oh my gosh this one customer this prospect we need them and if we don't land this deal Everything's going to come crumbling down. I wouldn't say that out loud because that sounds ridiculous and it's not true, but that was like the sense of fear that I had or the sense of stress.
0: You're pretty king at catastrophic thinking, like worst case scenario thinking.
1: You think? That's what makes me a good developer, actually. My code code rarely broke because I thought of all the things that could go wrong, you know?
0: Yeah. No, I, it is a superpower, but it's a little bit hard on your mental oh, health boy. slash your relationship with your wife. It
1: cuts both ways. Absolutely. So that's, that's the real difference is now every, anything that comes that's hard or complicated or, or could be stressful. I am telling myself, and I'm not just making it up like this cannot happen and we'll be fine. This can completely fail. This huge deal that we're working on right now could not happen and we'll be okay. We'll figure it out. And that's the thing that I didn't have that internal monologue prior to this, I think. And, you know, I think it helps having had a a sizable exit that gave me some comfort. But frankly, I could have gotten back into the same patterns, and I have been forcefully not allowing myself to.
0: And it seems like that's contributed to it being, frankly, just more enjoyable.
1: Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm having more fun now than... you know, I don't know, than other other times. I've I've tended to be a stressed business owner, right? I've tended to be a stressed founder.
0: Despite the best efforts of living with me.
1: Yeah, totally. You stressed me out more. (laughs) You're welcome. Move faster, make more money, start more companies.
0: I have never said that to you, (laughs) ever Uh, in your uh, life.
1: That's (laughs) funny. I'm just totally making that up.
0: Mostly I've been like, slow down, come home, hang out. Let's go to the beach. Chill. Let's
1: travel more. And I'm like, dude, I'm building a company. No, the, I know founders who don't appear. They don't really get that stressed. They don't get very stressed, in, unless it's an extreme situation. And I had always envied that, and now I I feel like I've caught it. I like I I understand it now. You know the the mindset of it, and I'm hoping that I can maintain it through. Because I mean, frankly, this you know, what are we, uh, eight months, nine months into Tiny Seed, there have been things that I would have been very, very stressed about. So it's not like it's just been smooth sailing and it's, oh, it's all fun in the early day. And no, then not that, like we've we've had some bumps in the road, many of them, some small and some large. And it's kind of been like, well, yeah, we'll see what happens. We're going to do our best, you know? And And that's, again, an attitude that I did not, you know, take prior to this.
0: I feel like your level of confidence is different. Yeah, it is. Well, I think part of this sense of like, yeah, it'll work out is really your sense of confidence in yourself. And then you have a super strong co-founder who is your peer in his superhuman abilities in a, in a complementary sphere of expertise. As in, you're not both experts in the same thing, but he's really strong. So between the two of you, there's this sense that like, eh, we'll probably figure out a way around this one of one of us and your sense of confidence in your own ability to solve problems feels different than it did with drip
1: yep it is and I some of that's mindset and literally just saying look drip was gonna work out I just didn't believe that it was going to the whole time and so when I look back on that I think like why did you put yourself through that why didn't you just believe that it would work out? And now I just believe it's going to work out. You know what I mean? It, it literally, it sounds so simple, but like I, I tell myself that, you know, every day I'm not saying it out loud or I'm not doing talking to myself in the mirror or anything like that. I, I literally just, as I feel stress, I say, yeah, this, this actually doesn't matter that much. Like none of these things individually are going to, are going to wreck this, you know? And so, yeah, that's, that's there, the problem solving. I've realized you know, again, a self-confidence thing of like, I'm, I'm better at solving problems than I think I've given myself credit for in the past. It's not success or failure. It's not this deal's going to go through or it's not. It's, if the deal doesn't go through, there are like six other options. I don't know if I didn't used to look at the other options or I wouldn't look at them until the deal fell through and I was stressed the whole time. And then I'd realize, oh, there's actually this other option. And now in advance of it, I'm thinking there's another option and we're not, I'm not backed in a corner.
0: It reminds me of, so last episode, I interviewed Chris Savage, and he, of course, has talked a lot about profitable confidence in the sense in which when you are coming from a place of confidence and playfulness and creativity, profit follows. I'm probably bastardizing his term a little bit, but like I hear that more in you now, and I do think that that is going to help Tiny Seed succeed because there's like a, you're you're just you seem to be a lot more creative and relaxed.
1: Yeah. And I think I proved something to myself at a certain point. I think all the steps along the way, you know, you think back to me being terrified of the public speaking in 2007, eight, nine, as I started it. And I eventually, I eventually wrote some good talks, delivered some good talks and almost overnight, although it was months, if not, you know, more than a year, I became what I consider a good speaker. But I had to get to the point where I believed that I was.
0: You had to prove it to yourself. Do you think you could have done it sooner or earlier?
1: Probably with a different personality.
0: Because you're kind of an old guy now, you know, that you've been married almost 20 years. (laughs) Like, could you have done this when you were 27 and just sort of felt this level of freedom and flexibility?
1: I wish. Yeah, I wish that I had. I, I know people who do that when they're younger, and I think they had different upbringings. You know, that's my biggest guess because when you're that young or they have different, you know, body chemistry or whatever, I probably, I mean, I think genetically, you know, that like my family's predisposed towards stress, anxiety, There's people in my family who have anxiety disorders. So I naturally feel more anxiety than a lot of people that I know. And I think this is me learning to just completely turn that on its ear. Whereas I have friends, yeah, who are 28 or 30 and they have They were raised in a different environment because my family was, you know, raised a little bit on fear. As you know, maybe all the listeners don't know, but that's just a big part of it. it. Was like be scared of this and be scared of that and. Don't go out and do take this risk because it could fail, and I had a friend one time who had rental properties, and they people came to the door with a shotgun when he went to collect the rent and don't go be a computer programmer because I had a friend who was a computer programmer, and everybody hated he hated his job, and I mean this was the kind of stuff that that came up, unfortunately, you know what I mean, and we don't say those things to our kids i mean and i'm not I'm not trying to bash anyone in my family because they were raised i mean talk about talk about where they came from,
0: yeah. Every generation's made significant strides.
1: Sweet mother. Yeah, yeah, it is. So I'm not I'm not trying to say that, but like I came out of college and into college just like fearful of the world. And it took me years. And in my early 30s, something clicked. And I mean, every few years, something clicks in a certain way. And it's, it's part of it getting over public fear of criticism, fear of public speaking, fear of being on podcasts. I used to get first podcast episode. It was super hot. Publishing blog posts used to be agonizing for me just anything that was public that you could potentially be, you know, criticized or do incorrectly was, that was a huge deal. And of course the company, then you actually have real stakes, not just public ridicule, but actual money and, and your livelihood and something you've built over years and years. And I, you know, I do wish I could go back and do better earlier, but you take what you get.
0: Yeah. No, I, I, I think you're on a really steady uphill trajectory <laughs> in terms of just growth and risk capacity and wisdom. And I I don't know. I almost want to take back the question because I, I feel like getting there earlier is sort of a dumb question in the sense that like you get there when you get there. And it's just, you know, as your as your partner in this and for the last 20 plus years, it's great to see you feeling the freedom to be playful and creative and engage really significant challenges in your business with a sort of this measured calm. You just seem like you're having more fun.
1: Yeah, it feels good. It's certainly a better way to live and certainly a better way to be an entrepreneur.
0: I think that's also one of the advantages of having some some stability in your key relationships is, you you know, you're not you have that kind of foundation of support and someone in your corner cheering you on and helping you and also understanding the history that you come from and the challenges that are hard for you. Not that I'm a real asset per se, but like having stability and like a great partner at home is a huge asset.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. I think there's, um, I think people who who experience relationship struggles and stress and and get divorced or have these big breakups like it it has to impact I, I just know the toll that would have taken on me at any point you know and how how much it would have impacted the companies that I was trying to grow at any given time it would be a huge huge loss huge detriment to your professional growth and personal growth I can just imagine the the havoc it would wreak
0: so maybe by way of summary, if it's possible to stay married, maybe do. <laughs> but,
1: yeah, let's end on a cheerier note, shall we?
0: I know we're so or now. Now that we're in our forties,
1: well, yeah, and that's the thing is we like it's it's 19 year anniversary. We we're like celebrating the longevity of this, and the whole time we're talking about like, well, try not to get divorced. I mean, that's it.
0: Here's how we Here's didn't, how get, didn't divorced. get divorced, pretty much.
1: <laughs> yeah, instead of telling the re- the real story, is that. Every moment has been better than the previous one forever. Am I right? Each day, perfect bliss. Nineteen years of perfect bliss. I think is how I described it to someone the other day.
0: I think that's how you described it to me, and I laughed so hard that I snorted why not my nose. So. <laughs>
1: <laughs> something like that. <laughs> Don't do that again. No, no, do something. I liked never that shirt that too. <laughs> Yeah.
0: <laughs> All right. Let's uh, let's just wrap it up there. Thanks for staying married to me and thanks for gracing uh, my podcast with your presence once again.
1: Likewise, it was my pleasure.
0: Maybe I'll invite you back sometime.
1: Awesome. Looking forward to it.
0: Thanks for listening. We'll be back in two weeks with a new episode of the podcast. In the meantime, feel free to check out ZenFounder dot com. For lots of resources about the kinds of conversations that we have on the podcast. You can get information about working with me, about maybe joining a Zen tribe, it's sort of like a mental health boot camp for entrepreneurs. We also have lots of content on our blog, links to resources in our courses and books for sale. So check us out there, and we hope to provide anything and everything that you might need to make the entrepreneurial life a little bit easier.